April. This week, three sides of the coin, we hit 400 episodes. I guess we no longer do this. Now it's this. Four. We're like Ric Flair. Woo! Yeah, exactly. The four horsemen, man. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Um, 400 episodes of Three Sides of the Coin. You're going to celebrate with us and Don Jameson today. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode, the 400th episode of three sides of the coin you got three knuckleheads we're missing lisa she wished she could be here with us but she can't but you got me mark and tommy who hey Ed. <laughs> you think maybe now after 400 episodes we'll start getting people to listen no because we suck well, I didn't say anything about us not sucking i just wanted to know if people would listen. Well, why why would they listen because we suck so bad all we do is sell for gene and paul well you know 400 weeks of selling nothing but kiss waiting for that commission check (laughs) no seriously everybody thank you so much 400 episodes unimaginable literally unimaginable tommy and i had no idea when we started this thing back in 2012 that it would still be going this long i'm i'm just shocked absolutely shocked by it so again you know um thank you to all of you that have supported us for all of these years i know people have come and gone and some people have dipped out and come back and all that but thank you guys for hanging in there and and uh you know basically going through life with us because that's really what's going on yeah yeah i mean mark you've been here for what 440 some episodes i think you started around 300 340 some episodes wow got to learn we got to learn that mark loves to eat over all those episodes Um, oh, Tom- I, you know what? The best part about this really is just all the cool people that we've met and and uh, check in with, and uh, you know we we're pretty lucky the three, actually four of us with Lisa, you know, hearing from people, and I get a kick out of stuff like it, my brother-in-law Phil, who I love dearly, uh, like he's my own brother. He listens, you know, not a big Kiss fan or anything, but he's like, he'll call me up or he'll text me. He's like, hey, you know, I listen to the show is really cool story or whatever. And it's just, I, I'm sure you guys have the same thing. You get people who talk to you that are friends of yours who aren't kiss fans. They just know we do this. They're like, Oh, I love that part of the show. And I'm like, you listen, you even yeah. know about this. Right. That's I'm fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's just, it's such an honor that all of you brought us into your lives just because yeah. we're, talking about this band guys who wear makeup and high heels uh you know it's crazy that we've become part of and to some you know some of you we've become such an important part 
of your lives. I mean, it's touching when we get some of those messages. Um, I, I also find it so, um, so fulfilling to hear from people who are like, you rekindled my love for KISS. Yeah, that's a I, I used to be a fan during the 70s, and I stumbled across you while I was YouTubing stuff. And, oh, my God, you made me realize what I love. And it's just like, you know, we didn't set out to accomplish anything, but that's pretty freaking cool to turn somebody back into a fan. Yeah, we, we didn't plan on having any social value whatsoever. Well, we really don't. Yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. Egalitarian society. Let's, let's, let's fucking... Let's be honest, though. We hear from people who genuinely, who private message us. You got us through a hard time, or you got me through a hard time, or Jesus Christ, I'm, we're just fucking around in our basements and stuff. I mean, yep. that just floors me. And I tell you what, just uh, is just you know a little a personal thing. You know, I got to meet John Watkins through this, who I still haven't met in person. We chat every now and then, you know, just a guest on the show. Next thing you know. You know, you kind of feel like you know the guy, and that's happened with numerous guests, though, too. But this is a silly little podcast, you know. You you reach out and you touch each other's lives, and you you just it's just really fucking cool. And I tell you what, as you guys know, although Michael, Tommy, and I more so because that's who I've been with when we've been on some of these trips we went on. Tommy and I <laughs> walking through the fucking airport. That guy coming up to us. Remember that? Mm -hmm. fucking insane. we're just walking in the middle of a fucking airport mm -hmm. comes, hey love the show we're like huh I, 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 Tommy you, you'll remember this remember when we were in Vegas for the residency mm -hmm. and, and you got there like maybe a day before me and you were like you're not going to believe this but there's people who recognize us and know us and I'm sort of like oh yeah okay 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 because that was yeah. 20 that was 20 14, right? I think so. That happened. So, you know, we hadn't been on for that long as a show. And I remember when I got there and we were walking down the hallway, heading to, up to the room, and people are just walking by three sides. I'm like, the fuck? And, and that's where we met Crazy Bastard the first time. Yep. I mean, yep. honest to God, you know, we're sitting, Tommy and I are just sitting there. Um, having lunch or something, and 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 crazy bastard comes up watching to us. all the Kiss fans, watching all the Kiss fans steal all of the shit out all of the, the shit off of the restaurant first Kiss of all, and then and then yeah. crazy bastard comes up and he's like, "Can I say hi? Can I get a picture?" And we're like, "Of course, uh, you know." But he's got a GoPro camera strapped to him, and he wants to. It was just mind blowing to to experience something like that where all of a sudden and now you know we all the time when we go to concerts now people are like oh three sides how you doing you know unbelievable uh, you know again unimaginable we could have never imagined anything as cool as that happening when we first started because it was a real surprise in, in vegas that was the first time i noticed it, and that's why i called you i'm like dude you're not going to believe this yeah. you know and you're like to your point you're like yeah yeah whatever and i'm like okay you'll see it when you get here yeah so it just all of the people we've met and and all of the wonderful experiences along the way uh, thank you to each and every one of you because you guys so many of you have touched our lives 
And it's, it's something that I'm really proud of. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. I mean, it means a lot. Literally daily. I, I, I answer I am's from people. Can you ask me, uh, ask me about bootlegs and collecting and stuff? It's awesome. It's just such a great extension of the show, knowing that we're all interacting, you know, together, you know, I just think it's cool that like on a Thursday afternoon, someone will reach, just want to, I've even had some, I had some guy recently, he's like, and I felt bad. He's like, I forgot what he was going. He said he was going through something and he's like, I just wanted to talk to kiss somebody. Do you mind it? I, I, I'm like, no dudes so sat and chatted for I don't know, a half hour, 45 minutes. I was actually at work at the time. I'm like, I don't want to rush you. I got to get back to work. But he was just so appreciative. You know what I mean? He's like, whatever. Just wanted to, you know, talk about some kiss stuff. And that's when you're like, you know what? Thank you, God. <laughs> that's cool. You know, yeah. that, that you can be there for somebody just to relieve a little pressure. And you know what I mean? Just whatever he was going through at the time. And I'm sure you guys out and out and out, you know, out there too, no different. What makes you feel good about stuff like talk and kiss? Talk and kiss is fun. And that's how we get to 400 episodes. And, you know. Well, you know, as, as I always go back to at some point, I think it was during the early 80s. I remember it was either Gene or Paul saying, you know, going to a kiss concert is about forgetting your real life for a couple hours you can forget about work mm -hmm. your boss your teacher your school the car that's broken whatever it is and 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 to some extent that's what this is for a couple hours every week we're kind of forgetting about our lives and we're just having fun with kiss mm -hmm. so thank you all everybody who helped make this show happen who's been here you know, I'd homework question. How many people have been here since episode one? Yeah, that's interesting. I'd like to know that too. That's a real good one. Not and, me. And, 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 <laughs> and, you lucked and, out the first 66 shows were pretty shitty. Yeah, exactly. If you've been here since episode one, my question is what kind of life do you have that you've listened to this show hundred weeks two hours a week <laughs> we love we love you but you know we got to laugh at ourselves as kiss fans we have to so we've got a special guest joining us this week to celebrate 400 he's a returning guest but it's probably been quite a few years since he was last on we're joined by don jameson He's back, and we just have a blast talking memories of KISS albums. Now, this, this episode really, to me, is really the crux of what this show is about. We just talked fucking KISS, baby, and it was just sharing memories. This sharing is memories of albums. This yep. is just the same shit we do at concerts and bars when we meet up with our KISS friends. Exactly. Today was a great example. Exactly. And, and, and you can take part in this one because you can share your stories and your memories of the albums that we discuss with Don. So let it roll. Don Jameson, 400 episodes, three sides of the coin.
Want to get your official three sides of the coin logo and shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. By the way, guys, I actually brought down a nice stout to, to, to salute for 400 I don't know if you guys have a drink with you, but I could, I could go to the fridge and find something, but uh. yeah, congrats guys. That's amazing. Um, 400 shows. Wow. And, and I've seen, you know, you guys, it was pretty much just kiss for, for a long time. And then I've seen, obviously in the last couple of years, it, you guys pretty much take it wherever, if you have a favorite song or a favorite topic you want to talk about, just go for it. And, and that's cool. Uh, under, uh, by any measure. 400 is great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we, we, sit, we, we sit back and go, is there really that much stuff to talk about KISS for 400 <laughs> weeks? <laughs> kind of running out of steam here, <laughs> a la bringing Don Jameson back in. <laughs> I'll, I'll, re I'll restoke the engine. Let's do it. Let, let's do it. So, Hold on. First, we got, what the fuck is the PSR? Yeah, this is, I got oh, my Jesus. PSR Vinnie Vincent shirt on, and this is, um, this will be a free plug for my buddy's record shop. It's Purchase Street Records up in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and um, he just sells all, you know, hard rock, metal, and punk vinyl up there, and he makes these great shirts, and uh, I don't believe he's been sued yet. But I'm on a one-man crusade to get him sued. I just want to do it. I thought PSR was short for pussier. <laughs> <laughs> oh. See, it's, it's people. Everybody sees things a little differently. If I if I knew you were thinking that, Michael, I certainly wouldn't. Well, I mean, I, I saw the PSR, and then when you stood up and I saw Vinny, I'm like, oh, definitely pussier. <laughs> well that's well that's there's there might be 400 episodes about Vinny so oh there 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 very well could be <laughs> yeah, the, fa be the, awesome. the, the favorite guy we all love to hate yeah by the way yeah, uh, kudos on the big uh, Saxon ish thing that uh on in the background oh. <laughs> there that's phenomenal yeah that's my uh my new comedy album denim and laughter and uh I guess awesome. I I uh, another person, I, uh, not only am I trying to get uh, my friend Roger sued for uh, making bootleg t-shirts with his record store on it, I, I've been tempting fate with all my comedy albums by using the artwork from Saxon and Judas Priest and, uh, and uh, Thin you're Lizzy just, and all these fans. You're just hoping somebody will sue you so you can get a ton of press, right? Thank you, Michael. You, <laughs> yeah, I like how you think exactly like me, and I appreciate that. It would be so, well worth it to be sued. We, we did something guy. similar with our new record. We kind of ripped off the Foghat live cover because we're all big fans of the record, but, you know. Yeah. Well, Don, if you want, you could use the Three Sides logo next time, and we'll sue you. The <laughs> <laughs> only problem is, is when the article comes out, they'll be like, well, who's Three Sides? Exactly. Who the deal? are these guys? <laughs> yeah, I don't think the person who, who ends up suing you is supposed to send you the artwork in advance. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a technicality. Uh, all right, so, so in celebration of uh, 400 episodes, we're going to talk KISS today. Go figure. And, and we're going to do kind of just a fun round robin so everybody listening and watching 
can play along with us. And we're just going to drop an album name, starting with Kiss at least, and we're going to share memories. So since Don is our guest, Don, pick a Kiss album. Okay, let's, yeah. Let's, and let's it's, man, Kiss is, it's like Kiss month this month for me because um, I'm interviewing Ace Freely on Friday for, for my show. Um, but also just all the guests I've had on that Jameson show, which I'm doing now, it's just, we, we always get into Kiss. I had John Five on last week. You know, he's a crazy Kiss fanatic. Todd Kearns from Slash's band was on today. He's a Kiss fanatic. He plays in all the Kiss cruises. Jason Hook from Five Finger Death Punch. I did a whole podcast with David Elveson about the 45th anniversary of Kiss Alive. So which just passed, so why don't we start with that. Yeah. Kiss Alive, there it is, right on uh, vinyl, my original Kiss. vinyl. And uh, 45 years later, still one of the best uh, live albums of all time. What, 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 what's your memory, what's your best memory, your go-to memory of Kiss Alive? I think my go-to memory just is that, um, that without, without any kind of you know, music video, DVD accompaniment or anything um, coming with it, just by the artwork on the album, I could visualize the concert in my head. And that's something, you know, nobody really does anymore because everything's filmed, everything's taped. But I could picture the Kiss concert in my mind just looking at the album. Mark, yeah. why don't you go next? Well, look, you, you, you can't just say Kiss Alive. You have to say Kiss Alive, followed by the greatest album of all time by any band at any time. Because that's the official title of that album. <laughs> it is by far the greatest album ever made by any artist. That album, to me, I can't even begin to describe. Put it this way, without that record, all this shit doesn't exist. It That era... And specifically, we're talking about stories. Um, my older brother got that, and we had a back porch. And if you lived in the Midwest, that was kind of a cool thing to have, to have like, uh, they call them Florida rooms, back, you know, back porches with the, you know, that wasn't part of the house. We had an extension on the house. And that's where we kept the stereo. And it's funny because, you know, I'm, I was 10 in, in 1975, and I was really, really into, into music. And I just remember we played side four over and over. It's like we wouldn't, like, play the rest of the record. I don't know why, because I was 10. My brother was 12. But we played Kiss Alive side four. It seemed that entire, you know, after it was released, up until it got too cold to go sit in the back porch, you know, then, then we moved it inside. But man, we played that thing till the fucking grooves wore out. It uh, still to this day, I don't think that I've gone literally since it's been released a month span that I haven't listened to the listened to it in its entirety since 1975. That's how important that record is to me it's, it's always fresh always fresh tommy um i to kind of add to what don was saying um you could see the concert so what i think of when i look at that record is it takes me back to 
my bedroom when I was a kid and the amount of time I would sit listening to the record, reading the liner notes, looking at the booklet, that and um, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, those two records were so incredible for your ability to use your imagination. So it, that's what I think of when I, when I look at that record. I love the whole thing from beginning to end. Um, I've listened to it nonstop since then, probably not as much as Mark has, but it's in my top 10 and I just love it. And I also remember thinking the first time I heard it live is how different the songs sounded from the studio LP. Or yeah, that's, that's a big thing. And, and look, that, there's a reason Kiss was almost pretty much collapsed, uh, you know, if, if it was not for this album. You know, the, the first three studio albums did not do well, um, but back then record companies didn't give up so easily on their artists and um, live albums were in vogue back then, uh, not so much anymore. And this, this album really saved them. Um, it's, it's interesting that Phil mentioned that he only played side four which um, certainly there's nothing wrong with side four, but when you really Phil, Phil, you mean you mean Mark. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's still Phil McCracken. Oh, I forgot. I've already forgot about Phil McCracken. Yes, that's, it. that's exactly it. My well, mistake. It says Phil McCracken on his, his, uh, his Zoom thing. Oh. Come on, you're, uh, you're a comedian. Um, no, it's not for me. But, you know, um, <laughs> but if you listen to this album in its entirety, by the time you get, um, by the time you get really to to Black Diamond, like it's it's almost like the show's over. Um, you know, it, you know, yeah, that rock bottom called Gin, of course. But by the time they get to Rock and Roll Night, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, you're kind of like, I don't need that. Like they're almost tack on songs in a weird way, um, which just shows how spectacular this album is for me it's side three because it's the it's the dark side of kiss watching you hundred thousand years in black diamond paul's rap in the middle of hundred thousand years um is brilliant um he gets the audience so freaking worked up you know peter's behind him slowly building like that tribal beat along with Paul's rap, like they definitely had that coordinated until it really builds into this frenzy. Um, and it's just, it's really brilliant. Um, and, and as we know, Paul's gone askew occasionally with some of his stage raps, but <laughs> hundred thousand years is certainly the, uh, is the, is the gold standard for Paul's stage raps. Well, you know, it, it, it's no surprise to anybody who's listened to the show. My, I've got, Honestly, I've got no memory of Kiss Alive, none, because I became a Kiss fan after it was released. So it was me going, it was a back catalog filler of let's go find another album and buy it. Um, I'm, I'm a, I don't discredit everything that Kiss Alive has done and what it means to everything. It's, I totally get all of that and appreciate it. As an album, it just didn't do anything for me, nothing for me, because I came after Kiss Alive. Destroyer and Rock and Roll Over were my introductions and moving forward. And like I said, then I filled in the back catalog. I might listen to Kiss Alive once, twice a year, maybe. 
there, there's other Kiss live albums that I go to much more frequently than than Kiss Alive. So, um, if I have a memory of it, I think the back cover is so freaking cool to see to see that many people at a show and to see two fans standing there holding up that banner. You know, as a kid, you almost see that and go, well, that could be me. I could be at a concert and I could be, you know, I was there type of thing. And I think that co that back cover to this day is still like the coolest thing Kiss or any band could do to say thank you to their fans. It's like put the fans on the album cover. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's cool. You know, Mike, obviously, uh, you know, I don't know if Don knows, but, um, you know, being from Detroit, I, I saw everyone from Nugent to Sabbath to, you know, all the way on down, you know, at Cobalt. That's where I went to most of my shows. And I always kind of made it a point to run down there and turn around and look at the crowd that way. That was just something I did all the freaking time whenever I was at Cobalt. And I was at Cobalt a lot. So, uh, you know, it was, and, and it was cool because when Kiss played there, in in uh, in 09 um we were right up front and i you just couldn't help but you know turn around and look even during the show at times just and you know you get goosebumps just it's like i'm pretty much right in that spot where that picture was taken and kisses right behind me and it was pretty pretty fucking cool actually so that was that, that was the last show i think i saw at kobo because i stop using it shortly thereafter i always wonder what what gene and paul were thinking and what was going through their minds in 09 when they were playing those last shows at kobo knowing how much history they've got there what you know what what kind of chills were they experiencing and what were their flashbacks and memories during i can you know another cool thing about that michael is i remember at least two times at one was wasp when they were opening, guy, who for that? I can't remember their opening went for. Maybe it was Sabbath. I'm not sure. Um, but Blackie said something from the stage, going, "It's the I'm looking at Kiss Alive," and I remember Scott Ian doing that on the Headbangers Ball tour um, during their set. He's like, "I can't believe I'm you know looking at the back of Kiss Alive from you know from the stage," and I'm trying to remember, at least one or two other artists mentioned. Because obviously their view was back because they were on stage, but that happened a few times and it always made me smile. I always thought that was cool when, when people like Blackie and you know Scotty and mentioned, you know, the Kiss Alive album cover while they were playing. Oh yeah, absolutely, because that's how much influence it had on so many people. But Cobo Hall is is not functioning now. Is that correct? It's functioning as a building. They just took all the seats. They're going to use it for auto shows and stuff like that. Now, the if you're if you're in downtown Detroit, the the building is still there, but the the guts of it are gone. And let me tell you, I, you know, I that place, no other arena sounded like that. That there's a reason so many live documents were recorded there from parts of live bootleg to you know. Uh, uh, from Aerosmith, the parts of Kiss Live, um, you know, Giles and, you know, Seeger and 
so many things were shot. It really did. It was built for sound. And Cobo Hall was a horseshoe. There was there was no seats behind the stage, and it was it was made for sound. And it, I, fortunately for me, you know, I've seen so many concerts there. I didn't care who you were seeing. If they had even a halfway decent sound man, they couldn't fuck it up. It was just that hard. And I tell you what, I remember the first, I saw Van Halen there in like 1980. And there's a women and children first tour. And I'll never forget just how loud Eddie's guitar was. And I saw, I saw Ozzy there with Randy Rhodes on the diary tour. And, and those, those memories are just so special because a, you're seeing these incredible artists, but B, I really cannot say it enough or stress this. That place was, it was always loud and clear. I don't think I ever heard a shitty mix in that place. Again, it was hard to because it was just an incredible fucking arena. So, and obviously Kiss did Animal Eyes live there too. I mean, for a reason. Um, great place. Incredible venue. I miss it. And the, la the last thing I was just wanted to mention before we move on um, because we could do a whole podcast on this album, which, I, like I said, I did with, with David Ellison from Megadeth. Yeah. But, but I was too young to, uh, to, uh, to make a mental note of this or kind of grasp it. But then years later, when I realized what marketing geniuses KISS became, was the actual artwork in, on the inside flap was buy, other, buy our other albums. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it wasn't like an insert, like that, right. like that was put in there, like an order form. It was like, no, in the art, like on the one side, it's so cool. You got the notes, all personal notes from Kiss, which was awesome. And then it's like, okay, now buy our other shit because no one bought this yet. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we need you to buy it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a little, a little foreshadowing before I knew what that was. Even back then, Gene was all about selling, wasn't he? Right. But like I said, we didn't know it then. We were too young. We were just like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Mom, yeah, yeah. we were just albums. like, oh, it's three more album covers by Kiss. How cool is that? Yep. All right. So, Don, pick the next album. All right. Let's, we're going to go look, check this out. So, in my vinyl travels, um, I found this these i mean the 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 uh the quality of the actual vinyl is almost pristine um the uh the the packaging the sleeve and everything is is a little a little rough but um finding this on um vinyl kiss the originals so my memory of kiss the originals which for you know, people are watching this, and they, sure they know what it is, but if they don't, it's the first three Kiss albums together. But my memory of it really is that that I only ever owned one eight track in my life, and it was Kiss the Originals. Um, and I'll just that's what I remember it because you, if you guys ever had eight tracks, you put it in, and then when it got to the end of the side, even if it was like halfway through a song, the song just cut off. And then you had to put the other one in and it started back up where it left off. So <laughs> that's how I always remember Kiss the Originals. But I was so happy to find this in Nashville with my buddy, Tony Higby. And uh, like I said, it's in great shape. It has all the, uh, 
the posters and stickers and everything it's supposed nice. to have. So I was happy to find, it cost me about 75 bucks, but good to have. Hard yeah. to find in good condition. You know, my, my memory of the originals, I wasn't aware of that in the 70s. I think it was probably the early 80s that it all of a sudden popped up onto my radar. And it was, at least during the 80s, one of the, as a collector, most sought after. How do I find a copy of the originals? It was tough to find and tough to find it and be affordable because it was, you know, as record conventions were starting to become the thing, if somebody had one and had all the inserts, you had, you felt like you had to be a millionaire to be able to afford it because they were selling Kiss the Originals in great condition with everything for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars during the 80s. So I remember finally finding one, sort of like you, it was like, okay, condition, and it had everything in there. And I think I was able to get it for like 80 or 90 bucks or something like that. But I just remember the originals, and then eventually the originals too, from Japan, mm -hmm. being one of the most sought after collectible vinyls during the 80s. That was just like, felt like to me, that's what everybody was looking for. If you were looking for Kiss stuff at a record show, is, do you have the originals? Do you have the originals? Oh my God, they've got the originals too. Talk about really expensive was the originals right. too. Yeah. Who's Tommy? going? You can go, um, Tommy. Okay. Well, I, what I remember is I, that that I think of Woolworths because I remember being <laughs> yeah. in the mall and I'm walking past the record store and there it is in the window. And I'm like, what's that? It had just come out. And I remember it was like $17.99. And I, I was like, I said to my dad, I really want to buy this. He's looking at these and he's actually was really smart because he's like, you've got these already. I'm like, not like that. I don't, I don't have all of that, <laughs> you know? So he ended up coughing up the money and I worked it off. But that's what I remember is just being completely surprised by literally just walking by the mall and there it was. And I don't remember what year that was, if it was 77, 76. Or 76, if it was new. Yeah, it was because new. It was literally it had a big display in the window. For it. Yeah, it was 76. This is a second printing, but yeah, that's that that was when it came out. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I think of when I see that. Well, the the reason I know that is because that I got mine for Christmas because I want to say, and I could be wrong, somebody's gonna call her. I believe that came out just in time for Christmas. Was it October or it was right around when when uh when rock and rollover came out. They came out because here's what happened. My brother had Hotter Than Hell and Dress to Kill, and then Alive came out. So, like, when I heard Strutter on Kiss Alive, that was, like, the first time that I really was familiar with the, you know, the songs from the first record. Because, you know, I didn't get the first record until I got um, the originals. Because... <laughs> I ended up, we, my brother and I used to share, you know, rec, everything from BTO on down. We would just grab, and it's funny, Tommy, your, your memory of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, that was a, I played the shit out of that too when I was a kid. And what the artwork fuck? was right up there with oh. the Kiss Alive, cause, and that was a threefold thing. Yep. For those of you that don't know what that is.
just being blown away by the booklet and starting to read about them. Cause by that time I was full blown. Kiss was everything. And, um, you know, so Christmas 76, you know, the stickers and the booklet and, you know, and the cards and oh my God to that. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. That was just such an incredible package that they put out. And again, that was, you know, pretty much sealed my fandom because by the following summer of 77, I've bought every Kiss record the day it's been released since Love Gun. Because that was, so since then, because I remember that, you know, if we get to Love Gun in this conversation, but my birthday is in the end of May, and I remember, you know, the ads were already out for Love Gun coming out in June. And uh, I remember I had my birthday money, and I remember the day that it came out, if I remember it was a, I forget what day of the week it was, but it was like Tuesday. Whatever. I'm like, it's coming out this day. And mom, as soon as I get up, we're going. That's the first fucking thing we're doing. We're going to, you know, <laughs> and, and, and from that day on, man, everything, I got everything that. I, I, it, it, it's funny that you talk about getting all the albums the day they were released, because I was going to comment to what Tommy said. Back in the 70s, there was so much of walking in to a, a store and going, what the hell is this Kiss album? I had no idea something was coming out. I mean, it's not like you, it's not like the, the radio stations or the newspapers kept running release schedules. They might yeah. do that for the, the biggest top six bands or something like that. The Rolling Stones, the Eagles, you know, somebody like that. It, that was part of the excitement was literally just walking into a record store and going, what's that on the wall? You know? But there's a difference between you being in the South Metro in Bloomington and me being in St. Louis Park because the store I would go to is down in the valley. So they would have a board up behind the counter with a listing of all the new releases coming out with the different dates. So you could go in there and go, oh, okay, and you'd know. So then you just make a mental note of it and you'd be ready that the day that that thing came out, you were there. I, I really didn't get release dates really weren't something I knew about until I discovered Krang and was buying that as an, an import magazine at, at the local head shop because, you know, the local head shop that I would shop at Harpo's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you know, the, the elite record store employees are only putting the info out for the albums they like and kiss was not something that was cool for them to be promoting. So, and you know, the other store I'd shop at great American music was like a Kmart size record store. And again, they were only pushing what was big from a record label. And quite often it was not going to be a kiss record that was going to get listed on the upcoming release schedules. Now you'd, I would constantly go in and ask, is there a new Kiss record coming? Is there a new Kiss? You know, and they'd be like, eh, no, nothing, nothing. You know, get away. Then I discovered the record label had an office, and then I started harassing the local record label, the the receptionist. I'd call once a month and go, is there a new Kiss record coming? And they <laughs> they, they, they were nicer. They were nicer, but that that was – that was a big thing back then was that moment of discovery of like, oh, my God, I had no idea something was coming. And here it is. What's it sound yeah. like? Yeah. Right. 
I made I made friends with the. I immediately uh, zeroed in on the the kid at the the record store in the mall in New Jersey where I lived, but that had long hair because I figured he was the guy that would know, and he was. He was my go-to guy who, you know, made sure I knew when stuff was coming out and he would say, oh, he'll put it to the side. And then that guy actually was my gateway into, into harder stuff after that. Um, he gave me my first Motorhead Bomber and uh, Anvil Hard and Heavy, Riot Fire Down Under. So, you know, that guy was a big help to me because you're right, uh, Michael, like uh, other than reading, you know, Kerrang or Cream or one of those magazines, yeah, there was, there was no internet. We didn't know when something was coming out. So sometimes it really was a complete surprise. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But, but I, I, I was very proactive. I, again, fortunately, you know, I had a, I had a, a, a drugstore that I rode my bike to that had Circus Kerrang, Hit Parader. I bought all those. We visited the mall fairly regularly and I was always you know going to Harmony House or whatever going you know I know Kiss has a record coming out do you have the date and they'd tell me the you know whatever and then and then I was like on it like flies on shit I was like I couldn't wait and my and my story is very similar to Don's where you're absolutely right because also 76 more so 77 as a 12 year old that was when the floodgates opened because before that, I, I I liked music a lot. I was very into it. But by the time, you know, Kiss Alive and Destroyer, uh, next thing you know, you know, Cat Scratch Fever and Free For All. And it just went from there. It was like, okay, I had to have as much of this as possible. And same thing like Dante. I, I went to this, the same music stores over and over and over. And the guy would do that sort of thing like oh you like you like you know this there's this band from you know are you familiar with judas priest and i'm like well no <laughs> you know and then i'm like oh if you like that you'll like this and that was pretty much then it fuck all bets were off man every penny i had i, I spent on music and <laughs> my, my life has not changed <laughs> So what no, I'm doing. it's not. Well, I have an older, I've got older siblings and my brother would take me record shopping when I was younger. I remember purchasing Goodbye Yellow Brick Road with my money when it first came out or cl close to whenever it was released because I was already buying Beatles records and Monkeys records and all of that. So he really taught me a lot about, hey, well, if you're looking for something, look here and that kind of thing. And he was always willing to drive me around. And that made a big difference. That helped. Also, though, too, we were very lucky with, again, Circus and Cream and Hit Prater because they focused on Aerosmith and Blue Oyster yeah. Cult and all this other stuff. I'm like, well, there, I figured, you know, this new band Queen and, you know, and Thin Lizzy. And I mean, if, if, if those bands are touring with these bands, that must mean they're pretty good. So if Uriah Heep's touring with Kiss... And they have this really cool thing, you know, demons and wizards. I should probably check that out. And that's how things went with me. It was like, okay, next thing you know, you know, it, it again, you, you were, I was just such a sponge at that age. I, I, I loved and still do, you know, all that stuff. So, but you know, like you said too, Michael, with Kerrang, Kerrang then opened up bands like Gillen, you know, and Angel yep. Witch and stuff that I, we didn't even, they didn't even talk about in, you know, when Hit Parade or Circuit, all of a sudden you start reading that, you're like, 
what's all this? You know? Oh yeah. So. Karang, Karang so opened up music discovery for me. I mean, it was all of a sudden it's like, I knew the writers. I just knew I've never met them, but you knew they were cool guys that you could hang out with them. You know, Dante Bonato, you'd be like, Oh my God, this, this guy is, he knows his stuff. And you know, every issue had their top 10 lists that each writer would pick. And they, that was just like the simple go-to of like, who's on that top 10 list. I like the fact that, that he's a kiss fan. So who else is he listening to? Never heard of that. Never heard of that. Never heard of that. Never heard of that. And you're immediately asking the import guy, what's this? Where is this? When can I get this? What's it sound Mike, like? You just nailed it. You did what I did. Hold on. This guy likes kiss and he's writing for this national and keep in mind kiss in the States was dead at that time. And here's this English magazine with Kiss on the cover every once in a while. And you're going, holy shit, this guy in his top 10 would list. Now, keep in mind, this is six years after it was released. But I remember one of them had like Deuce from Kiss Alive. And that's what he was listening to this week or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to like this. You know, and the same thing, you know, you start going, Oh shit, I'm going to, whatever that guy's writing about, I'm going to, I'm going to check out those bands and thank God he did. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was our social media back then. <laughs> yeah. It, it really, it really was. I mean, everything in, in Kerrang was a precursor to social media. I mean, you know, Derek Oliver had his little column of, undiscovered unsigned u.s bands that he you know all of a sudden it'd be like all right he mentioned this band and here's their p.o box i'm writing them to buy a demo tape from them because derek loved them i mean you didn't get that from circus or hit parader circus and hit parader were very corporate in my opinion very glossy just put the press release in and a photo and that's the article they didn't just really... didn't start out that way but it ended up that way yeah you're right you're right but but circus raves through the mid-70s and that's when it kind of died but they were you know they're pretty johnny on the spot there for a while and then probably right around 78 is when circus really started to want to be rolling stone instead lose their, of lose the credibility of being a cool rock mag <laughs> correct correct which was, was so great about cream they they didn't give a fuck <laughs> exactly by the way Don, did you see that documentary at the cream one um i i saw i saw parts of it um i haven't seen the whole thing yet but i just interviewed robert duncan um for my show and uh, we had you know, a lot of laughs about it. And and obviously they had a love-hate relationship with Kiss. I mean, they wrote some they wrote some uh not so great things about him, but but they really did they really did love Kiss. And uh, the fact that Kiss embraced Detroit so much, because Cream was a Detroit-based magazine. So um I, I think that love-hate relationship worked for both of them. And uh, it's just amazing how Cream has has gone from what late 60s early 70s uh to going out of business to be coming back because of almost famous to a documentary to a book now and then now possibly coming back again so uh that that's uh that thing just keeps having a renaissance after renaissance yeah it, it, you know what it really was so organic though um again being from detroit 
and being I saw that movie they 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 premiered it in well one of the Detroit premieres it wasn't the premiere but I saw that thing a couple yeah it was March of, March of, tw- of 19 they did it at a film festival and let me tell you man just the whole vibe of that thing it was so true that they just you know were the big middle finger to to to, to Rolling Stone and again bands like Kiss and and you know and Aerosmith they you know, they were the, they gave them a shot, you know, when the other magazines weren't. Hell, one of the, one of the coolest Kiss magazines ever was that 1977 um, All Kiss Cream magazine. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that was like Nirvana. I, I'll never forget. Matter of fact, you want to talk about memories. I remember when I picked that up at, uh, at the store, I went and picked one up. I brought it home and I was like, I got to go back and get another one because I want to cut all the pictures out and put them on my fucking wall. So that's exactly what I did. So, I mean, just insane how, how cool that was. All right, Don, pick another album. So this, so this is a, an album that of course, kiss always, the packaging was always fantastic, especially as a young teenager and all that stuff. Um, And we all broke this um, after shooting it off once (laughs) <laughs> so i had to i i searched the globe <laughs> as they say because i'm not i'm uh, when i you know i've been collecting vinyl the last 10 years and i'm not the kind who goes on ebay or di- you know i i log myself on discogs and all that stuff but I, I don't like doing it that way i like because i travel obviously as a comic i like to go to the you know the, the 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 blockheads in Richmond, Virginia, and I like to go to Vinyl Altar in Philadelphia or Vintage Vinyl here in New Jersey. You know, and there's so many, and of course my buddy's record store, so many great ones all over the country. And that's how I like rediscovering vinyl again because um, you know that really is that brings back so many memories of actually flipping through the bins and all that. So so when I found Kiss Love Gun again with a pristine uh, love gun with it still in there. Um, I picked that up again. And of course we all know what that cover looks like as a, as a teenager looking at that and going, you know, again, that's, look at the, they're rock stars. These chicks are all over them. Uh, the songs are all sexually tinged. I mean, it was, uh, it was a continuation of everything we knew about Kiss, which was, uh, you know, celebrating rock and roll and 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 girls and and uh, and sex and plaster caster. Who knew what that was then? But uh, we found out later. <laughs> you know, so, lo- 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 yeah. love love gun. You know, looking back now, I mean, that was pretty much the last classic Kiss album to some extent, because yeah. after that. We went into the the mess of solo albums and Dynasty and Unmasked and everything else. But Love Gun, as a KISS fan, you can look back and go, that was almost where our band peaked because it went downhill from there. Well, that was the last record that Peter played on the whole record. Yep. It, it, you know, for me, Love Gun was, uh, you know, my first Kiss record was Rock and Roll Over. So coming from Rock and Roll Over into Love Gun, 
was a bit of a disappointment for me because Love Gun was more polished and more commercial to my years than Rock and Roll Over was. Don, did we lose the video? Uh, sorry, I'm just getting an incoming call. Oh, okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure you were there. So, so I will pop back up momentarily. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, rock, you know, Love Gun just was a bit more commercial, more produced, more polished, in my, my opinion, than Rock and Roll Over. So it was a slight disappointment coming from Rock and Roll Over, which to me, Rock and Roll Over is the greatest Kiss record ever. I mean, that's just perfect hard rock in your face great rock and roll nothing wrong with that album at all um but you know you there's you, you can't hate love gun i mean it's got an incredible cover it does have great songs on it like i said kiss peaked that was it they peaked at that point in their career i don't understand where the non-love for love gun comes from sometimes that album's fucking awesome, start to finish. Sounds great. Well, then, Songs and then great. you kiss me. Come on. I, I mean, love we, it. Oh, I oh, love stop, it. Stop, stop. You don't love oh, it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> kiss that doesn't even want that on the album. Oh, I, I love it. I Honest to God. I. It's funny. I, I do uh, once or twice a year, I get some musician buddies together, and we do a, a kiss gig. And we actually put that in the set a year or two ago. And. <laughs> it's fun to play. I mean, that's just the, I don't know, man. I, I like that cover. I, it's, it was so, I would, I'm so glad they did that instead of doing, you know, maybe an Elvis tune or something. I, I really dig that. It's just quirky, you know? I, I don't know. I dig it. I love that whole era of Kiss, though, because that was really magic kiss and that was in a super lot of kiss. that was super kiss right mm -hmm. then well, well if you want to get geeky super kiss was supposedly dynasty kiss but for me i although let's let's be honest i still think rock and roll over the look and the live show was you know japan 77 for me is just like you know i'd put that up against any band at any time i mean they were just firing on all cylinders but the Love Gun Tour, Live 2 Tour, every bit is sonic and bombastic. And, you know, they didn't have a bad song in the catalog at that point. I mean, it, the, all, you know, the, the original six, as I call them, because I'm a big hockey guy. But, um, you know, that's the, it's really too true to the first six studio records. Six and a half if you count side two or side four of Live 2. But, man, fucking awesome. Not, again, they, every song was great all six of those records, every, every bit of kiss was just so fucking cool. And, and like you said, Mike, until <laughs> the well, I, fall I, of yeah, seven I was just going to say was, was love gun in the seventies, at least was love gun. The last time it was actually cool to be a kiss fan. Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely got tons of hell for it in high school. So that was 81 to 84 and nobody liked Kiss then. So yeah, that was that was probably it. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to make, you know, Michael, you made a you made sort of a bold statement before when you said uh, Alive really, you know, is not an album that does much for you. Um, 
And of course, you heard crickets from the three of us. <laughs> if we agreed with him, we'd all be wrong. Tommy, <laughs> <laughs> give yourself a ding. <laughs> well, yeah, and I and I won't go as I won't go as far as uh, uh, Mark Phil McCracken uh, and say it's the greatest album ever made in the history. Although I wouldn't want him to debate him on it because I, he might be able to sway me. But I will say this because. I really thought, for me, like, Destroyer is the ultimate Kiss album ever. I love everything about it. It's big. It's bombastic. It's got the best songs on it. Uh, you know, I love that giant production from Bob Ezrin. And so the, the, the thing I want, that I've always said over the years that, that I'll say once again is, to me, because, Michael, you said Love Gun was a bit of a disappointment to you. But to me, Rock and Roll Over was a huge disappointment. Wow. To me. Wow, look at the time. Was, <laughs> hey, I know how to get off a podcast. To me, Rock and Roll Over has definitely has has great songs on it, but the songs are executed poorly, the tempos are bad, and the production is so flat that I, like Michael, I might listen to Rock and Roll Over maybe once a year. Wow. Well, I applaud you for saying that because, you know, that, that's going against the grain for many KISS fans yeah. To, yeah. To, to diss Rock and Roll Over. But no, no, I, I respect I, I, it. I'm, I'm being, I'm criticizing. I'm, I'm not dissing it. I don't not like the right. album. Okay. The songs off that album that are on live too sound phenomenal live. Um, but, but on, on the album, um, like I, just all the, all the things I said, which I won't rehash. Um, and so it was, it, it was too flat for me after Destroyer being. Yeah. It's a, a very dry song. mix. It's a very dry mix, especially the drums. Listen again, that's probably my favorite studio record, but I think probably because the songs are so strong, but you're right. A, a great example of that for people who don't understand. And it's not the, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, look down my nose at you, but you're not you. Not, no, 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 no. But if, when you listen to like uh, love them and leave them, listen to when Peter's going around the kit, those drums are dry. There's no ambience to them. I mean, so, so that, what I'm trying to illustrate is what Don's saying is absolutely right. It, it, the mix isn't, whereas on Love Gun, everything's so lively. You know, it's, it's a And the funny part, they're both done by the same guy. And Eddie the creator. So, so it was obviously a planned out, um, it was planned out in advance that they would make a more raw album after Destroyer because... You know, you guys know when, when Destroyer came out, it came out to mix reaction from the KISS fans. So yep. definitely Rock and Roll Over was a response to that. But for again, for me, um, it just um, it just fell flat. And I've, I've never, you know, as many times I've gone back to revisit it, it's just, I've never just, it's just never caught me again um, the way it has. And, and, and you guys are like so many others, including Eddie Trump, who think Rock and Roll Over by far greatest Kiss studio album, but um, you know, again, for me, not so much. Well, and when I think of Love Gun, I think of a couple of things. Number one, it was in the summer. 
my brother-in-law was in school to become a dentist and my father hired him to put a new roof on our house and I helped him do it so I got paid for that work and all of the money that I saved went to go to purchase you know love gun the day it came out and the thing I was most excited about was getting to hear Ace Fraley sing a song for the first time because I had no idea that was the pivotal piece for me and I ended up loving the whole record from beginning to end and, uh, and I'd say it's in the top three or four for me with cover and song content so I, I too wonder sometimes why people kind of dog it so much but there are a lot of fans who after you know rock and roll over when love gun came out they're just like I don't like this and I don't I, to me that was just full-on kiss at that point so that's the stuff that sticks out to me more than anything else. And I remember thinking that the that the freaking gun was really corny. Um, <laughs> you know, but I loved I loved the artwork. Loved yeah, it. Yeah, I liked I liked the artwork better as well. And I thought it was going back a step towards Destroyer again. Because yeah. uh, so I liked that even with the terrible cover song, I still liked Love Gun much more than uh, Rock and Roll Over. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, and uh, and I got to see Peter play Hooligan live on stage. Uh, Eddie Eddie Trunk. This must have been at least ten years, about ten years ago. Had uh, Frankie and Scott from Anthrax and Bumblefoot played Hooligan with Peter at the Hard Rock in New York, and Peter played drums and sang it. And that was that was a, a thrill for everybody in the room, including the guys on stage. Yeah, well, yeah. How could it not be? And I was never a big fan of the rock and roll over artwork. I, I'm not a fan of that at all. I don't like, like everything about it. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's grown on me more now, but I remember when it first came out looking at it going, oh. Well, you know, and- The Destroyer was such an amazing image. And, 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 and I will admit with Rock and Roll Over, that was my very first Kiss record. So, you know, your first time will always be special. It should, yep. Hopefully it will be. So, I mean, I- I, if I play to this day, I want you, I can immediately picture myself as a kid dropping the needle on my parents' big console stereo system, going, I don't know what this is going to sound like, dropping it and just going, oh my God, this is, this is incredible. And, you know, that's part of my love of rock and roll over is it's just the first Kiss record I ever owned, I ever listened to. And I don't think I could have picked a better one to start yeah. with, but that will always be an influence that unless it was your first album, you don't know what, you're t what, what that means. So if you've got a different first album, you've got that reaction too. Agreed a hundred percent. It all depends on where you, you picked up because, you know, I talk to Chris Jericho all the time and he just wants to talk about eighties kiss. Cause that's where, you know, he picked up yep. as much as he loves the seventies stuff. The yeah. 80s stuff was really where he, he caught on to the band. So, yeah, I, and I, it's weird. I find, I, and maybe it's just I, I focus more on it, but I do find that more with KISS fans than a lot of others. And, and maybe that's just because KISS has so, had so many rebirths over the years and, and their, their career seems so segmented that, you, I mean, I know people who love The Elder, and I'm like, you know, you're, uh, you know, besides, I appreciate that you're a lunatic, but I, I appreciate that <laughs> you, you like that album because maybe you came in on Unmasked and you're like, anything that 
as is better than unmasked. Um, and you, that, so you like the elder, but uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It, it just depends on where you pick up with this band. You know, I, I I tend to think that for the people who so love the elder, they actually came in years after the elder was released and went back and found it. And you've got to, you will have a different appreciation for that than like Indeed. all oh. all of us who were fans when the elder came out and we knew what the hell was going on with kiss and there was it was the death kiss was dead 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 look at the landscape van halen new ozzy ario speedwagon pat benatar journey the elder i mean it's the crew record yeah i mean it was just it was it just one of these things doesn't fit. <laughs> it was the elder was such back then again. You're hanging out with your buddies and you're like, "What new record did you get? I got the elder." Well, let's listen to it. Mm, maybe not. Maybe I don't want to embarrass myself because you're listening to Van Halen, which I know is much better than the elder. So right. yeah, if yeah. if you came up through that elder being released. I think you've got a completely different appreciation for the album than if you became a fan of Kiss in 1985 and then went backwards and came across it. Yeah, you didn't, yeah. Ha you, you didn't have to live with the embarrassment. True. All right. So, um, yeah, I got. If it's cool, I got about uh, 13 more minutes with you guys. Let's, that's cool. Let's do yeah, one more. Then pick the ones you want to, and we'll try and bang through them a little faster. Oh no! Listen, like like I said about uh, alive, we could do, and you guys have, and you've and you've made an art of it. But you, we could do a whole podcast on every one of these albums. Um, yeah. I was just trying to, and and I'm I'm going to leave these out for when I interview. Find Ace. Find, find, find find one that's a real potential curveball. Yeah, I got I have so I have two left. Um, so because I'm wearing the shirt, I figured I'd pull this one out. Um, that ha up. that's signed by Vinnie Vincent. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> it's worth but, less now. <laughs> but we should talk about this because this was a big deal. Kiss went on MTV with J.J. Jackson, and uh, it was uh, the, revealing them without the makeup on. And, um, and I got to say, as a Kiss fan, and I, here we go. What, what, was, you know, what were the albums that led up to Lick It Up? So when this album came out, for me, I was blown away because I was getting into harder and heavier music. And this is, a, to me, this is an excellent heavy album. Total, totally agree. I mean, we, we were coming off of Creatures of the Night, which we all know was a, a fantastic album. But again, if you were there at, during its release, it was dead on arrival. Kiss was yep. dead during the Creatures tour. Lick It Up comes out, and all of a sudden, our band was fashionable, was cool to love again. Now, it sucked that they were getting that attention, mainly because they took makeup off. It had nothing to do with the music initially. But my biggest memory of Lick It Up was, I, that was one I knew the release day, so I went to... I don't know, it was Northern Lights, I think, in, in St. Paul to buy it. And I just remember getting the album cover and standing there in the record store and just staring deeply at this cover for minutes and minutes because it's like, 
they're not wearing makeup. They're not wearing costumes. They're not wearing boots. What is this? I'm trying to, as a fan, take this all in and understand it. And then driving home from the record store was about a half hour drive, knowing that sitting on the passenger seat right next to me was a brand new Kiss record with brand new music on it that I can't listen to right now. I have to get home as quick as possible because, you know, we didn't have Spotify back then where you could just do it. You had to, yeah, you had to go home and drop the needle on freaking your arm. Yeah. So it was just like, oh my God, how can I, it, it's new. I got to stare at this. I got to read the liner notes. I got to, what's the music sound like? Because there was a lot of great hope because Creatures of the Night, you knew, sounded incredible. Yeah. It was back sound wise. Lick it up. You're like, did they continue with this great sound? Did they? And, you know, there was zero disappointment for me. It was like, this is a great Kiss record. It's heavy. It sounds great. Great lyrics. Great everything. I love the, the only thing I hated about the Lick It Up era was the weak ass tour they did that just repurposed the tank stage from the year before. It was like, oh, what a letdown. I've already seen that. Yep. So Lick It Up was a pivotal moment of Kiss memories for me. Tommy? Um, yeah, I, I, I remember. Again, it was all about the cover to start with, thinking, what's it going to look like? And, you know, by that point, I had friends that would buy or collect this stuff at the same time, but they wanted cassettes. So as soon as we were in the car, we were already listening to it. I didn't have to open my vinyl. Um, I just remember hearing Exciter thinking, oh, God, this is going to be as good as um, Creatures of the Night. Um, and it, again, it, it was that pattern of fall. Everything started coming out in the fall. So there was also that piece of, okay, cool. We've got another record out. It's still nice out. It's still kind of like, you know, it's not winter yet. And it just felt like something to look forward to, you know, before the winter set in. Mark? I absolutely love this record. Um I've also got kind of a, a cool memory because it was a year to the month. I saw the Creatures tour at Cobo Hall in February, I think February 23rd, 1983. And I believe the Lick It Up tour was February 18th, 1984 at Cobo. And in that amount of time, I, again, just being in Detroit, I was very lucky. We had four rock stations and I remember Lick It Up, got, they played the shit out of it. They played it. It was just so awesome to hear Kiss back on the radio. <clears throat> now, believe it or not, um, Creatures of the Night did get played on the radio. They, they used to have, I uh, can't remember the name of the show, but I remember hearing Saint and Sinner for like a week. And then they'd play, every now and then they'd play I Love It Loud. Um, not a ton, but I mean, they did. Um, but one thing, and I'm sure you guys had this on the East Coast, Don, you guys probably had your local radio station, probably had like a Midnight Metal, because that was right when that was, because the, the whole movement was starting to happen here, and that's when at midnight, they I, I remember hearing stuff off of 
lick it up. But I also remember they'd start playing Iron Maiden and uh, and Crocus and, and stuff like that late at night. And yep. it's just an exciting time, you know, uh, to be in music. As a matter of fact, um, uh, I remember hearing stuff off Strom from uh, Strom of the Law. Too. Not Strom. Uh, oh, Power and the Glory. I remember hearing uh, stuff off that on our Midnight Metal show. And it was, again, it was just a great time to be a music fan. And, and our music was finally starting to get more represented, you know, you know, starting to play play more on the radio. And it was just a great time. And But, you know, Lick It Up was a big part of that. I mean, uh, Lick It Up, the video was on MTV. The All Hells Breaking Loose video eventually made it to MTV. Kiss was back. And like Michael said, you could start talking about them again publicly and people would take them a little bit more seriously. But, you know, and for as much as we joke about it on the show, got to thank that guy on your shirt in a lot of ways. He wrote eight of the 10 songs on that record and was a big part of, of, of why that record is so good. There's a ton of great songs. And before we get out of the memories part, do yourself a favor. Um, go on YouTube, demo for Not For The Innocent with Paul and Gene sharing vocals. I wish they would have recorded it like that way, like that for the album. If you have never heard that demo, and it's it's easily found on YouTube, uh, check out the demo for Not For The Innocent um, with Gene and Paul swapping vocals. Awesome. So anyways, love that record, love the era. It was just a great time all the way around. It just basically made it cool to be a Kiss fan again. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think top to bottom, we all agree. And I agree. I agree with everything everybody said. Um, and you're right, Michael, about the tour. They repurposed the creature stuff. It was like, well, if nobody saw us on that tour. Right, uh, exactly. We could use this stuff That's again. Right. I, could, it's, I, I could wear the same outfit to the, to the next wedding because nobody was at the, the last one. Um, but but of all the of all the songs on here, to me, um, Lick It Up, the title track, is the weakest song to me. Um, as catchy as it is, um, I think A Million to One could have easily been a single, um, yep. which I think most people would agree with. And one of my favorite Kiss songs still to this day, even though the, the lyrics are completely idiotic, is Fits Like a Glove, because it's such a weird song for Kiss. Um, but uh, elementary school lyrics at best. But uh, I, I still love that song. And um, and the, the thing, my, my biggest memory of this, and I'm not sure why, maybe because Ace and Peter aren't on the front cover, but the fact that they were out of makeup was the least interesting thing to me about this record. Like when I got it, I should have been like, oh my God, that's they're without makeup. But I sort of went, yeah, okay, that's them. Cool. Wow, like it yeah. didn't really, you know, it's like Eric was in the band, so we kind of knew him, but Vinny was new, so it was like, eh. you know, it didn't, that was, uh, it was, that was the part of it that didn't really make that big of an impact on me. I was just so way more happy that it was a great record. Yeah, because I, I, that was the biggest impact I had. And part of it was, and, and maybe this is, if you look at it, a, a, a letdown, but they're just like me now. They're not superheroes. Yeah. They're just an, they're average people off the street. Look at, he's wearing just a regular jacket. He's got a watch on, you know, it was just a, after being a fan since 76 and seeing all the over the top of what Kiss was, 
this was such a departure that it was just like, how do I take this in and process it? It's so different. That's right, kids. Even Kiss wears jackets and watches, just like me. <laughs> and this album, this last album, uh, which never disappoints unless you're my mo mother and father, is uh, my comedy album, Denim and Laughter, on vinyl. <laughs> We're so happy that. that I put this out on vinyl. And I said, I'm putting it out. I told Metal Blade, I'm putting it out on vinyl. And uh, if I only sell one copy, I'll be thrilled because uh, I'm 53 years old. And, and, and before I get out of this godforsaken business, I want an <laughs> album out on vinyl. It's my little tribute to Saxon, as you guys know. Right. And, uh, but you don't have to be uh, a fan of Saxon or hard rock and metal to enjoy it. Although there are a lot of funny stories about um, touring with Zach Wilde in Nashville Pussy and, and uh, Guar and uh, having uh, Sebastian Bach throw a hot coffee at me. So that's all on there, uh, along <laughs> with the uh, gluten-free Keith Richards, uh, Gorilla Sex and Banana Tits. There's something for everybody on here. <laughs> Um, a family friendly record yeah exactly <laughs> let your kids listen well so we're, if you want we're, it on vinyl go to experiencevinyl.com that's okay. uh, matt sorum's vinyl shop on the internet uh, okay. experiencevinyl.com i sign it for you i personalize it for you i put in a um a handwritten note from one of the bits for you uh, a cd copy guitar picks the whole thing. Now I feel like Gene Simmons, so it's better I go now. <laughs> no, it's you know, good. Don, Don, for your next next album, you got to release it on eight track. Yeah. Well, that's something that bands are, are you know, Cheat Trick started doing that again yep. because they said we'll always have the, the number one eight track in the world. So it's not out of the question for sure. Exactly. Just do it for that PR purpose that all you got to do is sell 10 copies of it and you'll have the best selling eight track in the world. Definitely. Well, Don, I appreciate so, it, guys. So where, 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 where can people find you online? DonJameson.com. You know, I'm on all the, uh, the, the socials there, the uh, Twitter and the Instagram and Facebook. And uh, I love hearing from people. And uh, and uh, I always love sitting around talking about Kiss. Um, it never gets old. So I, I appreciate the time with you guys today. Thank yeah. you. Four, and four, you four, four, great. Yeah, and I hope you get back out on the road again soon and go with a band. Because I last couple times I saw you, you were really funny. So oh, thank it, you, it's man. great when Don warms up the show for Faster Pussycat or whoever he's out on the road with. So hopefully you guys will have live shows again soon. Yeah, I hope we I hope we all will. You know, the comedy stuff's trickling back, but I, I feel so bad for the musicians. So uh, I don't know. Let's hope uh, somebody has a, a miracle cure and, and we could all get back out there again. But in the meantime, we'll we'll celebrate and talk about them and, and Zoom together all over the world. Awesome. Sounds good. See you guys later, man. Thank you, Don. Very Take happy. care. Take care. Uh, that that was fun. You know, it's it's fun to just kind of talk memories of Kiss. I mean, Christ, that's what we've been doing for basically 400 episodes here is just sharing our memories and what mean what kiss means to us. But, you know, it's cool to just kind of go round table and just talk about what we think. Well, you know, it's, and you learn things like, you know, what Don said about rock and roll over to him. Yeah, it's it's I respect that. Mm -hmm. I can understand why, why he's saying that. But it's cool to discover those things. 
Well, and a big shout out and thank you not only to Don for coming on, but to each and every one of you guys who are listening or watching us. Thank you for being supportive to the point where we've got to 400 episodes. I never thought we would do that. I never even contemplated that. So really a big, a big uh, shout out goes out to each and every one of you, even the people who hate us. Thank you for tuning in. I, I, they don't Tom, really Tom, hate Tommy, <laughs> I, I remember like when we recorded the first episode, you, you messaged me and you're like, so how long do you think this is going to last? How many do you think we're going to do? No idea. And here we are almost 10 years later, still doing it. This is crazy. 400 episodes. I mean, yeah. Who? I never thought that we'd have to come up with enough KISS stuff for 400 episodes. I know. And we still have guests and other ideas. And that, that's sort of why every once in a while we throw Izzy in and let him eat a steak for you guys because we <laughs> ran out of ideas. Well, and for those of you that understand it and appreciate it, thank you because, you know, you can't have fun. What can you have? It was fun humor. We rickrolled you guys. Yeah, and, and, the, and the funniest thing about the people that were leaving comments is everyone was, like, pissed, but yet they watched. I know. <laughs> they, I hated it, but I couldn't turn it off for some reason. <laughs> Like, how many views did that get? It got, like, over a 1,000, right? The the total plays on Izzy eating a steak. This is across YouTube and iTunes and and. And this is Spotify. just in a week. This is in one week. 5,400 plays. <laughs> so over 5,000 people. Half of, well, half of Cobo Hall. Half of yeah. Cobo Hall came to watch Izzy eat a steak. God, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's funny. That's fucking like hilarious. The creamer, it's disturbing, yet you can't look away. It, it was. The, co the, the comments were literally either, you guys suck, you blew it, you lost me, I hate you, or it was, this was the funniest thing in the world and I can't look away. Mm -hmm. Either one's right. Yeah. You know? I mean, look, guys, we just do this to have fun. That's it's all. I, I can't stress that enough. Yeah, the minute this isn't fun anymore, we're not going to want to do it. Exactly. I mean, why, why would we do it if we aren't having fun? Because we're spending two hours every Tuesday talking, and then I'm spending another couple hours editing and posting this stuff, and we're not making yeah. a dime out of any of this. Mm -mm. But we're spending lots, right? Aren't we buying all our – Well, yeah. That's how we, that's how we get the 400 episodes. We bought them all. That's we, we, kind we, of conventional. We bought all of our likes, all of our followers, all of our plays, all of our listens. And, you know, we're still waiting for the check from Gene to show up. Well, yeah. We're corporate shills, I think I read once. Too, yeah, we are very Gene much corporate shills because they pay us. <laughs> I wish and and don't, we, don't, don't we hate this guy or something? Yeah, I mean, how how did we how did we get how did we get Ace on our show a few weeks ago? I mean, Ace talks to anybody apparently. Anybody who wants to talk to him will do an interview with him. I don't know. We laugh and have a blast every week, is what it comes down to. Like I say all the time, like it can keep raining, we'll keep being the parade. <laughs> yeah, yep. we live rent well, free in their support. heads. Get out there and support Don. Yes, Pick up please. Um, home, homework question. It's pretty obvious. Take the albums mm -hmm. we went through with Don today and give us your one memory. 
And, and the memory can be anything. It could be the song, it could be the video, it could be the tour, it could be the costume, it could be the album cover, it could be the back cover. We don't care. It's all about sharing your memory and story. So let us know what your story is for each of the albums we covered with Don today. And also too, I think we should do homework of if you have a favorite memory of the show so far, you know, Good. share it. Yeah. What, what was your most favorite memory of three sides? over 400 episodes, and what's your most hated memory? Where did we really piss you off? That was last week. <laughs> we love Izzy. By the way, the weather girl says hi. She couldn't join us, unfortunately, because she had to take her daughter to softball practice, but Lisa is a big part of 400 episodes. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. All right, everybody. You know the drill. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on iTunes, uh, follow us, subscribe, leave a review and a rating. And I don't know, I might have mentioned it once last week, but uh, we are now available on Amazon Music. Amazon Music now has podcasts. And all you got to do is go into Amazon Music and search for three sides. And there we are, which also means you can easily access us on your Alexa devices as well. Excellent. There you go. We have a guest, we have a guest next week. Uh, yes, Robert Duncan. Cream Magazine, Robert Duncan's going to join us again. See, you guys, I say it all the time. The rotation just knows. The I don't have to fucking knows. <laughs> It just knows. The rotation picks our guests. It does. Yeah. Mark just shows up. Yeah, Mark just shows up. All right, everybody, three sides of the coin. <laughs> Thank you so much for 400 episodes. It means a lot to us. We'll see you next week for Salute. and one. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. You love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.